And I just had this feeling. I was like, I'm going to win that lottery. And I guess some of my friends did too, because they watched it. They watched the draw. And next thing you know, I started getting these messages. Your name, your name, your name. Everybody's freaking out. <laughs> and within an hour, we had flights booked and I had my my crew <laughs> ready to go. And, and we were booking hotels and cars. And then, as we know, that all got canceled. Welcome to the Gotta Run Racing Podcast with your hosts, Norman and Jody. Discover the inspiring stories of the average and not so average runners. And they're off. We are back. Hi. <laughs> How you doing? We are back with another Canadian trail to Western States. <laughs> what number is this? I think this is number six. Six? I'm not too sure. Yeah, yeah well. You guys tell us. Email us at <laughs> gotterunracing at gmail.com. That's right. Reach out. We like to hear from you. Yeah. So, what is happening with Gotta Run Racing? Monarch Relay, Monarch Virtual, still available, gotterunracing.com. We still have some 30K and 50K segments available in Ontario. It's a relay that's going to be 1,800 kilometers, 21 days this fall. Don't miss it. Hmm. And the virtual is still going on, too. We need 430 runners for that. Yes. Each doing 10K to represent what? To represent the total distance that the monarch butterfly migrates from Mexico to Canada in the spring. So if one little butterfly can fly 4,300 kilometers, surely we can have 430 people run 10 kilometers each. I think I'm going to do that myself solo. Sure. You can do that. (laughs) But you got to register 40, 430 times. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I may need some aid stations along the way. <laughs> You're on your own. Okay. In today's podcast, we have Sarah Seeds. Sarah Seeds from BC. Yes. And she, I think, three tickets, maybe four. We'll find out. Not too sure. But we have something in common. We both started off as adventure racers, Ooh. and our very first ultra was the Canadian Death Race. Both of us. That's cool. Interesting. Yeah. So I can't wait to hear what she has to say and what got her on the route to Western States. Let's do it. Coming up. So welcome, Sarah, from Vancouver Island, BC. <laughs> welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. So thrilled to be here. This is so exciting. What are you, what are you drinking today? I'm drinking um, cacao, actually. Ceremonial cacao. Yes, it's Lovely. my new adventure and very um, grounding. How about you guys? What are you drinking? I have a latte because I was feeling a little sleepy because it's 4 p.m. in Ontario. So it's about that time for caffeine. I got a Steam Whistle Beer, which is hoped to be our sponsor soon. <laughs> Cheers. Nice. Cheers. Yeah, good. You're that often. <laughs> Thank you for fitting us in. I understand you're in the middle of a move. <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. So next time, next Zoom meeting will be in a bus, my new bus that I'm <laughs> moving into for the summer to have some adventures in. Yeah. So will we see you on Instagram, hashtag van life or what's the deal? <laughs> 
Yes, soon. I'm still working through the layers of acceptance. And once I'm moved in, for sure, it's going to be really fun to share Gus the bus. It's a, it's an actual like a school bus or what? What's is it a VW bus? Yeah, no, it's like a short bus, like a city bus. It's serious. <laughs> wow. It's got the dualies and I'm up high and it's fully converted. Um, it's a tiny home on wheels. The couple that, that owned it before me bought it from the, the city as a bus and made it into their home and lived in it for three years. Yeah. Wow. So what precipitated this decision? Well, I had to be out of the place I'm renting just for the summer. So just for a few months and I don't know, it just came to me. I thought, why not? I'm in the process of moving my entire business online. So I'm digital. And, you know, right now, the way that the world is traveling, it's nice to have, you know, once we're able to move about to have your own little space. Right. And I thought, what better way to explore, you know, more of my island, you know, even if we're stuck, quote unquote, on Paradise Island. Um <laughs> Or, you know, in BC, once we're able to, to move around a little bit, uh, then having your own little tiny home. So, yeah, I'm going for it. Are you going to be putting all kinds of videos on your YouTube channel with your uh, new transition? Yes. I'm sure it will be hard to resist. I'm sure there'll be a little TikTok game going on and, <laughs> and Instagram and YouTube. It is pretty fun. I'm getting pretty excited. Just like it's. It's basically home on wheels, but it's going to be fun to personalize things and, and add a few touches. And I'm learning stuff. You know, I didn't even know what AC, DC, power, battery, any of that stuff was. So I'm learning. It's a whole new world. There's lots of new aisles I'm exploring at Canadian Tire. Nice. <laughs> so you're going to be exploring a lot of new trails, I assume, too. Exactly. So I'm really excited about that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so to be continued, you know, based on on um, what happens here in this in June with Western states and and with our ability to move around, but I know for sure I can go explore more of the island, which will be really fun. That's awesome. Well, we came across your name because of the lucky Canadians who got into the uh, Western states lottery. <laughs> How lucky do you feel? <laughs> Probably. I mean, as you know, it's a little anticlimactic after, you know, it's been a while since that name got pulled, <laughs> um, but so lucky. I know you'll probably ask me why I wanted to do Western States, but at some point it just became about winning that freaking lottery. Like that's what I became obsessed about. about. I really forgot about the 100 miler. I just wanted to win the lottery. <laughs> so, so before all that, let's go let's go way back because I think you and I have something in common. We were both adventure racers before ultras. Is that right? You were an adventure racer first? Yes. Yes. Such a huge passion of mine. <laughs> Many years doing mostly sprint races, but some 24-hour races. And yeah, just my pure joy. You as well? That's wonderful. Yes. That's how I started. And I it was a huge wake-up call for me. <laughs> I thought that I was in shape. Until I became an adventure racer, <laughs> it's like, I, I am so out of shape. <laughs> it's wild, isn't it? But such great mental strength to cross over into ultra, like going from, from adventure racing to ultra, right? You're like, yes. oh, I just have to do one discipline? Perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Until you did the Canadian Death Race, which was my first ultra marathon as well, the Canadian Death Race. <laughs> 
Wow, go big or go home, right? Yeah. <laughs> Mine was back in 2005. 2005? Yeah, I think it was 2005. 2005 I did yeah. the King Death Race, yeah. So how was that first experience transitioning over into ultra marathon with the Canadian death race from adventure racing? How was that? It was wonderful. I, yeah, I had to look that up when, so that was, uh, 2011. I was actually training for the fat dog in, mm. in BC and it got canceled that year because of high snowpack. I don't oh. remember that year. A bunch of races got canceled. It was my first ultra. I had been training and this happened maybe. Four weeks out, they said no oh. race. And it was like, are you kidding me? I have to do something with all this fitness, right? I kind of made a little, got in there with a little petition to the race directors and said, hey, how about this Canadian death race? I don't know anything about it. I just knew it was around the same time. And they worked their magic and allowed all the fat doggers to go into the CDR, even though it was sold out. Like they made this great exception for us. Nice. And I believe just maybe myself and one other man made the leap because it was instead of 80k it was 125k <laughs> so it was a bit of a dump but it was pretty fun i remember running to him oh, what's his name carrie i'm sure you'd know him i'll have to look up his name but i remember running into this man on the course and i knew he was in he was a transfer from fat dog because we had these special bibs made up that said fat dog instead of your name and we were out on the Canadian death race course with this, just, you were just fat dog. And that's what they called you when you came into aid. It was <laughs> um, and I ran into the other guy. Uh, he was barfing in the bushes when I met him. And I was like, oh, you're the other fat dogger. <laughs> I think he rallied. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I'm curious about your adventure racing. What was your discipline of choice when you started doing that? Was there something that you were really strong at? Um, well, I guess I've always been a runner. Mm. Um, paddling was definitely a have to do thing. I would prefer to paddle leisurely on vacation. And I love, love, love navigation. So mm. I'm always um, really passionate about orienteering and and the adventure and the exploring part and the not knowing. I really love that part about it. Right. Um, but for the physical disciplines, definitely running. I was a runner right since elementary school. So, yeah. Yeah. Very good. Running was my worst discipline <laughs> in adventure racing. And that's why I became a runner is because I didn't want to leave, get my team behind. So I became a runner to keep up with them. <laughs> it's funny enough. <laughs> oh good, good motivation yes <laughs> yes the team will do that yeah and then is that why the, what happened to your adventure racing uh, after that did the team just disband and then, then you just started doing solo races is that what happened because that's what happened to me yes exactly it's such a resource intensive sport that mm -hmm. it just sort of it's challenging for a lot of people just the gear the skill set mm -hmm. you know money travel so I started doing those races more solo in the sprint ones. And then I think that's why ultimately I made the the jump over to ultras because you can just do it with just you and your sneakers. So, yeah. Right. Did you ever do road running in a competitive way or did you just always were on the trails? Um, I did track in, uh, you know, all through up till high school. And I did a few shorter road races, mm -hmm. but... I, the longest I had done was a half marathon before I did the Canadian death race. <laughs> so I sort of 
We skipped the marathon. Spoken like a true ultra runner. <laughs> exactly. Right? I'm curious because you did get a ticket for Western States with that death race. Did you not put your name in the lottery then or did you? I didn't know anything about the Western ah. States. I, <laughs> I qualified twice before I'd even heard of the Western States. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I qualified there. And then in 2015 in the Miwok in San Fran, qualified there, but still hadn't heard of it. I think it was probably around then that I heard about the Western States. Yeah. So yeah. that became a bit of a mission. What was that race, the, the second time you qualified? I don't know. I'd never heard of that race. The Miwok? Miwok in yeah. Sancho? Oh, 10, 10 out of 10. Stunner. One of the most beautiful courses. Yeah. You run through eucalyptus forests. Mm. Like the smell is amazing. Wildflowers. And yes. How long is that course? Awesome course? Is that the 100K, right? And I did the 100K, but I'm just having a flashback of about I feel like it was 100,000 stairs that go down to the finish line. Oh, no. I'm to the finish line. So beautiful. <laughs> oh, it's horrible. Oh, God. It took every mental tool in the toolbox to get down those stairs. You'd almost want to climb at the end rather than go down, right? Because it hurts more to go down at that stage. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got to put that pain somewhere far away. <laughs> and you would be going down during the night. But this is you're finishing in the dark, right? 100k. No, it was it was still day. Yeah, it's just 100k. So it was the <laughs> just I love it. <laughs> just 100k. <laughs> and after that, so again, you had a ticket, but didn't put your name in the hat. So then you went to Iceland. Is that something that happened next? Yeah. So we've done a few ultras as part of my business, Equilibrium Lifestyle Management. So as a coach, I started taking athletes around the world. Well, before that, I think Hawaii, an Xterra race was our first one. Mm. So we would um, train together, either virtually, sometimes in person, and then travel together to some amazing place around the world to do a celebratory race. And Iceland was one of those. And nice. man, was that phenomenal. Like, it's, yeah. it's another world. Have you been there? Or? We haven't, but it's on our bucket list yes. for sure. We have a friend that's been there a couple of times that's done a stage race. And he just raved about it. It sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's on the list for it's sure. It's stunning. <laughs> and the, the race course was probably the most diverse terrain it was like seven different worlds seven different planets Mm. like it's just hard to even explain like geysers of like blue bubbling sulfur stuff and then crossing glaciers and beside volcanoes and then you finish in like a lush oasis valley and yes every different thing under your feet you could imagine what size of group do you usually take with you when you do a, a destination race I think they've all been between about 8 and 12, 8 and 14. Yeah, That's so just good. smaller groups. Really fun. Yeah, really fun. Can't wait to get back to that. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Do you remember how you found out about Western? Was it from another runner or did you see something online? or? It might have been my friend Kim Seneschal. We were traveling to do a lot of these races together. We would make it a social thing. So every year we would pick a race for many years to meet up at as a chance to to connect when we were in different communities. 
And yeah, it might've been there. And then, you know, it was, it was great because it gave me an incentive. I just knew, okay, this year I'm doing a hundred K. There was no motivation required. I just, it just kept me going without having to like, Oh, what's the point? What am I training for? None of those issues came up because I had a little project. So that was really fun. And then I ended up doing um, the lost souls in uh, Lethbridge for three years in a row as my qualifiers. It was nice because it's closest, closest to home and uh, such a beautiful community there. What's the elevation like on that race? I can imagine it's pretty intense. At the Lost Souls? Yeah. Um, it was actually more than I thought because I'm coming from islands from BC or sorry, from there's there are mountains on the island, but from BC in general. And I'm thinking Alberta, it's going to be just flatlands, but it runs through the coolies. And I want to say each 50K lap had 1500 meters. Like mm. it was shocking. Um, <laughs> and, but they're so short that, and so steep mm. and so relentless that there's no real, real break, but so different than I was used to doing long, continuous climbs. Right. Yeah. And super hot there too. Oh, was it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. First year I did, it was record-breaking heat. I think it was 40 degrees in the coolies. Um, yeah. And 35 up top where the breeze was. Ooh, wow. And we had a record smoke year. That uh. was a record smoke year as well. First year I did it. But I actually love those two things. Like it was, it was, I know it sounds weird, but um, I love the heat. Like I'm always a little bit cold. So I don't think I quite feel it the same as other people. I finally get to warm up when other people are cooking. <laughs> and um, I actually really like the smell of smoke because I was mm. a forest firefighter for a long time. And to mm. me, it's like, it smells like work. So right. <laughs> lots of good memories. that first year you came second overall i did hey guys if you like what you're hearing so far give us a like and follow our social media facebook instagram youtube you can find all that at gotterunracing.com have you checked out our virtual series yet we run the north Celebrating Canada's national parks features a total of 13 10 kilometer challenges, one for each province and territory. How many national parks can you name? Well, there's Algonquin, and then there's Banff, and then that's it? Anyways, medals that connect, license plate style bibs, and cool swag can be yours. Visit gotterunracing.com for more details. Now, back to the show. Amazing! I had no idea there was just one dude in front of me the whole race. Nobody told me, and I didn't anticipate being in that position. There's other types. There's hundred milers and fifty k's and other things going on. You know, you don't know what's happening, and yeah. I'm just running for the joy and and the love. And I'm not, my phone's in my bag. I don't know what's going on. You know, people are messaging me, but I have no idea. And it wasn't until I'd done maybe seventy k that I found out that. Um, I was second and I'd been first overall for the first 50 or 60 K and I didn't know. And, uh, I remember the, the guy who won in the end, I remember when he passed me because I was bent over with heartburn, almost barking Aww. my guts out. It was a horrible moment. <laughs> and I didn't know that I was moving into second place, which is great. Cause then there was absolutely nothing going on in my mind right. to do with that angle. But once I found out, I was like, 
what? Why didn't you people tell me I'm ever yelling at the aid station? <laughs> like, I had no idea. Um, yeah, so that was that was a fun roller coaster because I was just out there to have fun and I was happy to survive this epic heartburn 20K of almost, you know, walking 15 to 20K that I was so joyous just to be running again that all the other stuff, placements are all bonus. So that's yeah, incredible. That <laughs> and then the second year there, was there any difference between game plan wise? Now, you know, the course, now, you know what to expect. What were you doing going into the second year? Yeah. You know, it. things change once you've been there <laughs> and once you've won. Yes. Now everyone's, now everybody knows who you won. are now. <laughs> And that was a totally new experience to me in ultras. Like, yeah, you know, in adventure racing, I had primarily podium finishes. And, you know, that was a real um, joy and bonus and part of my experience. But in ultras, you know, I was there to complete the distance. Mm. I didn't know that maybe that put a little that I put a little pressure on myself after that. But come to think about it, the energy was different when Mm. I got to the race. Like, I really wanted, mostly I really wanted to beat my time. Like I usually let um, the performance goals, like the numbers go because there's so many variables and I don't know who's going to show up. Like I can't control the one, two, three to 10 where I am. I can just control my, what I can control, the variables I can right, control. Right. And that's how I sort of rate the, the success of an event is did I do the best I can with the tools I have? Um, but I did want to beat my time because I knew the course and I knew I had walked because of the heartburn. <laughs> and so I was like, Oh, if I just run through that, I'm going to be able to, I could get that number down by X, Y, Z ended up being significantly slower in the end, which is so interesting. I still got the heartburn. So that continued to plague me mm-hmm. and some, yeah, just some things I had been experimenting with didn't turn out so well. And really what had happened is I'd been out for, I had two calf tears that year. Mm -hmm. So I'd been out for about four to six weeks with each of those. I was just lucky to get to the start line. Like I healed just in time for that race. So you you just use what you got when the day comes. Is heartburn something that happens to you often when you're in a longer distance or? Did Did it ever happen in adventure racing? Never. So this became a psychosomatic thing for sure. Like Mm. it it was my nemesis. I'd never, I've never experienced heartburn in my real life. Like I didn't, it wasn't part of my reality. And it happened in the death race when I was at about 15 hours in, I guess. I still don't know why. I thought maybe it was because it was the longest run I'd ever done. And just Mm. literally the jostling over time and a combination of, you know, ask, who knows? I just thought maybe something just slipped through the valve it was traumatic though because I thought I was having a heart attack I didn't know what was going on (laughs) yeah and I figured it would just be a one-time thing well it showed up in every ultra after that and it just became this thing that then my subconscious and my brain was like fearing and it wasn't the heartburn I know this sounds weird but I had a phobia of vomiting if you've ever had a phobia or known someone who's had a real phobia it's incapacitating. Like you actually think you're, well, part of you thinks that you're going to die. Like not logically, but a phobia, like if it's, if it's flying or bees or whatever the thing is, yeah, that's really 
what it was. It wasn't the heartburn. It was like, oh, I'm going to throw up. And uh, the body just won't run. Like you're panicking. You yeah. can't think about anything. So, you know, lose track of time. I wouldn't eat or drink because you can't, you can't put anything in. Mm-hmm. So eventually like that second lost souls, I just was like, okay, this is it. I had been going to hypnotherapy and I decided to use that as a tool and just like make it a project, make it a mission. Um, I'm proud to say I overcame it in my last 100K and I really wanted to do that before qualifying for Western States. So nice. I am one with the heartburn and the vomiting. I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible what power the mind has, eh? It's everything. It is everything. Yeah. So what happened in the third year? Third year now, you came back with a vengeance. <laughs> oh, no, you know what? I came back with joy. <laughs> I can't, I just said, forget about, I said, forget about the times. Like, yes, I wanted to make the cutoff for the qualifier. That was it. And I said, forget about the past and, and run with the, for the gift of it. And that's how I always ran before. And it's how I feel most fulfilled when I'm running, you know, is just to celebrate with gratitude, the gift to be there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the end, that fills you up with a beautiful lightness. And, and I did come in prepared with the hypnosis. Um, I was ready to barf if I had to barf and I did. And, uh, <laughs> and it was way more relaxing and it was my fastest time of the three. So I was wow. super stoked to beat my first yeah awesome and did you place that year yeah i believe i was still second i'm um i didn't write that one down but is that 2018 (laughs) or third third female 2019 yeah yeah Yeah, fastest time and third right but the first year i was first and the time was slower so (laughs) that's what i mean it's about it's it's how you feel and those numbers are secondary I noticed that you did Zion. Was that a group a group trip as well, like with for, with your um, people that you coach, or was that on your own? That was just with my friend Kim. Um, so yeah, that was just our our personal adventure. And was that ever fun? Have you guys been there? We were there the same year. You guys were in the same race. Yeah, we did the same. Oh. I did the fifty as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh wow. I have to ask you, what was your favorite part? What was your least favorite part of the course? Of the course. Okay. Favorite part was up top, um, you know, where the really slick rock was. And the, there's like white dots on the rock to follow because there's no trail. And the Mesa? I think I really... On top of the yes, Mesa? Yes. Yeah. I think I really loved it because it was so otherworldly to be running on top of this big <laughs> rock. And, you know, felt like they were on a big rock. And there was this, this guy, this young guy, he was fully embodying Killian. And he was <laughs> leaping and dancing and running up the side of things like he was in an amusement park. And he just provided me with an hour of entertainment. It was amazing to see. Like, <laughs> so that was one of the highlights. Oh, I guess the finish I loved and hated. So I went for broke on that race, which I use, you know, I don't do that very often. I'm just like out there. Oh, just enjoying, you know, like, but this one, I kind of, I don't know. I didn't care about the consequences and I went for it and I ran harder at the end. I didn't time it right because it's not 50 K it's 55. 
Yes. Right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. Coach Sarah didn't read that part on the <laughs> registration form. At the end, I was like, I'm going for it. I'm just going to counting down the kilometers. There's 10. How fast can I run for 10K? There's nine. And me and this guy just started sprinting, like find that other gear sometimes. It's fun. <laughs> and we were agony, like pushing each other on through those. It's pretty flat at the end there. Yeah. And then we got to where my watch said it should have been the finish line and there was no finish line in sight. And I said to the guy, what, what distance do you have on your watch? He's like, well, it's 55K, you know. <laughs> and I just died. I just, I, a little hill came and it was over. Like, I just, I was out of water. I felt like crying, like my whole emotional. I did the, I was in the 100 miler at Zion. And, oh, wow. And my goal was to finish the race before she starts. But you started at what time? Yes. Six o'clock? I don't remember. <laughs> so I wanted to finish before she started. But at the end, I was just too dead. <laughs> too dead. I couldn't finish. So I, I, you guys took off and I, I came back and there was nobody there to cheer me on. <laughs> I was most looking forward to the climb at the beginning because I knew what the view was going to look like. Like I had a, you know, you saw all the pictures of what that view is and it did not disappoint. But I have to say the run on the top of the mesas, just, I was so annoyed. It, I don't like running on rock to begin with. And it felt like a half marathon up there. It, I thought it was never going to end. Mm -hmm. And then they took you out and then you had to come back in. So I was happy to get off the mesa. The, the middle part before the last aid station, like, well, not the middle part, but the part where you were kind of in this, these trenches oh, and yeah. it felt like you were just doing these mm -hmm. crazy loops. That was weird. <laughs> but when I got to that last finish line and I said, Oh, uh, 5k to go. Right. And they're like, no, it's eight miles or whatever. I almost lost it <laughs> on the volunteer because what do you mean? It's eight miles. It's only 5k left. <laughs> and you're right. That end bit, when your watch hits 50 and you can't even see the finish line, yeah. I just kept looking because someone said to me, it's just around that big boulder over there. <laughs> that boulder never got closer. <laughs> it was such a mind trick. <laughs> but overall, it was a stunning, stunning yeah, event. <laughs> but how cool was the metal at the end? It was like those earthy metal type things. Zion. Oh, Yeah. Your, yours yeah. was well i think yeah, and, you know wasn't it a little oh, i'm trying to picture it oh no no it was the vase oh that was maybe for the finishers oh okay mine was a. Uh, we got these beautiful vases. you no, you got something different than we got so that was you know, we were lucky we were, we were lucky in that race well i we had i had friends that had done it i think was it the year before when it was a shit show to like put it bluntly because it had rained and they were sliding around in mud all day like clay mud like we I, were lucky yeah. i remember seeing those pictures yeah, on instagram that. yeah it looked terrible yeah hmm. and our weather was pretty good it, it did get hot but we had it good yeah but also where we from we, we had to train through hard winter to get there because mm. the race was in april so training in hard winter was tough to get a hundred miler in April. 
Yeah. <laughs> Not easy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Those early season ones, even February. What one did I do in February? Oh, the Sean O'Brien in Malibu. Uh, that wasn't the best idea because, yeah, you're in the middle. I know it's just the island. It's not the same as, as win- can- real Canada winter, but it's still a lot of um, miles in the rain. So, yeah, picking the time of the race is, is a key consideration. So every year that you put your name into the ring for Western, were you avidly watching the lottery or were you kind of checking in after it happened? How did that play out for you? Um, no, I just figured someone would tell me if I got in. And then, um, the third year though, I knew, I just was like, this is my year. I had a lot of epic stuff happening in my personal life. And I just had this feeling, I was like, I'm going to win that lottery. And I guess some of my friends did too, because they watched it. They watched the draw. And next thing you know, I started getting these messages your name, your name, your name. Everybody's freaking out. <laughs> and within an hour, we had flights booked and I had my my crew <laughs> ready to go. And, and we were booking hotels and cars. And then, as we know, that all got canceled. But it was very exciting at the time. Have you uh, deferred to next year? Or are you still hoping that you can get there? No, I can't. I didn't take the buy. So we had till April 15th to decide the international travel, you know, racers, if we wanted to keep our ticket and risk it all. And, and I've kept it. So I'm planning on going. I, it's going to, it's looking good. It's looking really good. Every, every week it looks better. Wow. So that's you, awesome. Wow. You're going to, you're going to try to race in June. I'm going to, yeah, I'm, I'm kicking off all the requirements, all the boxes it sounds the race is going by the yeah. sounds of things, talking to people involved with the race. They're pretty positive. And uh, California is welcoming visitors. I'm sorry. I think there's going to be maybe eight Canadians going to be in this year. I, from what I've seen on the website, there's going to be you and about seven other Canadians. I don't know who they are, though. <laughs> yeah, we've all the people that we've talked to so far have deferred to 2022. Yeah. If there's a, if there's a way, I'm gone. <laughs> Good. What protocols did you have to put in place to confirm that you can travel and race? Well, so far, I don't know. You know, I'm, we won't know until June, right? But right Mm. now, California isn't list on their website. They're not listing any stipulations. They've even like, it's very different down there. Um, As of June 15th, all of their restrictions other than concert size groups, I believe will be Mm. lifted. Wow. And wow. so quarantining is even optional. I know that with the race, there'll be specific um, COVID testing requirements. I haven't even checked. We're not allowed to, we're not moving around until the end of May really here at home. That'll be the determining factor come June. What are, what does it look like? Um, but I did see that the volunteers, they were requiring vaccines. Oh yeah. Well, it's, it's to be continued and I'll just do everything that I can. And, and I'm training as if I'm going because it's more fun that way. And how is your training going? Is everything uh, keeping it together? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's going really well. I'm really enjoying it. Um, I've just been living here in paradise, right with the trail network, right out my back door. And my schedule has been more flexible than it's been in 20 years. Um, as I move things uh, transitioned to doing uh, more online offerings and pulled myself 
back from my in-person coaching of, of clinics, et cetera. So I've been able to literally go when I feel like going, like it's radical because the, the work I do, I can move to, to, you know, whenever I feel like I want to do that in the day. I've been able to run uh, more free and more fluid without the same time constraints. And that's been such a gift. Yeah, right. it's really enjoyable. Tell us more about your business. How did it come about and what, what types of coaching and services do you offer? Well, thanks for asking. So we just um, celebrated, and I say we because it's just such a great community I'm a part of, but it is my business, Um, uh, 20 years. So in November was uh, the 20-year anniversary, birthday of ELM. Yes, I started it when I moved here to the Comox Valley. Uh, I'm a kinesiologist and a hypnotherapist, and so I combine the art and science of both of those in sort of mind and body health, fitness, and wellness coaching. Mm -hmm. I've been specializing as a running coach and working with endurance athletes all over the world and online um, to create training programs. And yeah, it's been really fun to incorporate more and more of the mental training side of things because that's always been a passion of mine. And it's always been an element of coaching, but Two years ago, when I went back to school to become a clinical hypnotherapist, it really elevated that element of my coaching and brought in a whole new realm of of tools and skill sets to share with my clients. So it's really fun to fuse those, Um, as well as I'm a yoga and meditation teacher. So, you know, I'm always bringing in different breath work, meditation, mindfulness, practices that support our overall health. And then, of course, uh, our running and our performance as well. I would imagine over the last year and a bit with the pandemic that the shift has maybe the focus has shifted for some of your clients to to more about the mental, because how do we be motivated as runners if we're used to racing and working towards a goal when it's it was like draw taken right from out from under us. I know personally, I run when I have a race. Norm will run just because that's not me. My motivation has severely lacked, and you know it's taken me a year to go. Well, wait a minute. Who knows how long this is going to last? So you got to figure out something. So, so, so we're looking for some free advice. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys if you like what you're hearing so far give us a like and follow our social media facebook instagram youtube you can find all that at gotterunracing.com did you know the monarch butterfly is the ultra runner of the insect world covering over 4,000 kilometers every year during their migration from mexico to canada is that what they mean when they say the butterfly effect that was a weird movie We've launched the Monarch Ultra Virtual 10K. You can run, walk, hike, bike, or flap your wings virtually anytime, any place. You'll receive a beautiful two-sided medal featuring a stunning Monarch, as well as a custom neck gaiter, all while supporting Camp Kawartha in Peterborough. Our goal is to have 430 participants across North America, each completing 10K, representing the collective distance of the Monarch's migration. Sprint to gotterunracing.com for more details. Now, back to the show. 
Well, you're going to get it because I'm living it. We're all living it, right? You just said something there that's 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 a really powerful catalyst for growth in, in your world. When something is taken away from us, a motivation, like a superpower, I call them, like we have these certain things that motivate us that we don't, it doesn't take motivation when that element's in place. And for you, it could have been racing. Same with me. I would often just sign up for races. So the motivation element isn't even a consideration. You Mm -hmm. just know you're going to do that. So you're going to get up and do it. So what happens when these superpowers of motivation are taken away? Yeah, we scramble and we struggle for a while, but then what? Then we figure out new ways. And so it helps us really ultimately build the toolbox and figure out what other tools we can use for motivation. Right. And, and more intrinsic, right? I think more intrinsic motivations, like the joy, the pleasure, the gift, the gratitude, things that are within us that can't be removed. That's, I think, been a big part of it for a lot of people is to identify, well, what's, what's my deepest core value or my why for running? Like if the racing isn't there, yeah, we've been forced to figure out what that is. And ultimately, I believe that's such a gift because um, it gives us another tool to to draw upon. And so a lot of my athletes, well, there was a big shift. Some people pull back from racing. Some people um, move to, I have self-guided programs, which are like a download and go. So another level of coaching support. Mm -hmm. Um, So some people move to that. And then um, the athletes that I'm continuing to, to work with, we have really taken this as an opportunity to build the toolbox in other areas, working on the mental side of things and getting the list out of all the obstacles we face and just ticking them off one by one with right. um, visualization, mental training, hypnosis, meditation, any of the practices. So it's really like a long-term investment. Like this is an opportunity for us to expand and grow in other areas that are ultimately going to make us stronger, more fully embodied athletes when that day comes that we get to race again. Right. But I have been thinking about the mental aspect because when you think about it, it's just as a important component, but we don't naturally have the tools to understand what that is and how to make it better for us. Right. Mm -hmm. And people think, oh, well, I don't need that help. Well, if you don't know what what to do and how to become stronger in that area, of course you need the help. So I have seen more coaching that's including that. And I think it's really smart because we all need to to figure out what's up here before we can even get to the start line. Would you not agree? Oh, fully. Yeah. We, we often say it's 90% mental, <laughs> but you can even say 99 because you're not going to start unless you make the mental decision to do it. Right. And you don't quit until you, usually the body doesn't collapse. We've all seen the videos of the Iron Man crawling to the finish, but usually we, we decide we're going to quit and we're going to stop. And oftentimes we don't even know that there's uh, limiting beliefs affecting our performance. So it's teasing those out as well. And it all starts with a goal. And then you start identifying, okay, what's between me and that goal? And they're all just illusions. They're all beliefs and they're stories. Um, Once you can name it, you can release it. And it's pretty exciting. Like we work with all sorts of different things. I'm thinking of the athletes I'm working with right now. 
Um, well, it might just be something big happening in your life that you need to manage anxiety, stress, worry, um, et cetera, in your day-to-day life, which is going to have an impact on your running and your performance, of mm-hmm. course. Um, but also other things like being uh, fearful of night running mm-hmm. or um, not uh, always slowing down when you encounter a hill, negative <laughs> self-talk, <laughs> failure to finish, comparing yourself to others. Mm-hmm. Um it could be the the nausea, the, that type of thing, or failing to adhere to your nutrition plan. Like, why do we repeat these patterns over and over? Could it actually be a limiting belief that you're sort of secretly sabotaging yourself? So it's really fun. We're not going to fix everything in one session, but what we do is we, we work away at what's the next thing that we feel called to address And I firmly believe there's no obstacle that we can't go over, around, under, or sneak beside or transform that obstacle (laughs) into an opportunity. So to me, it's really fun. I call these mind games because a growth can be really fun. doesn't have to be heavy and scary and serious. And oftentimes the work that we do in our training and in our sport crosses over into our skill set in our life as well. So all those tools crossover. Yeah. Who who do you go to when you're injured or down or do you have a coach yourself? Would you, Mm -hmm. who who helps pick yourself up? I've worked with with different people. Yeah. Um, So right now for my actual training for the the hundred miler, I'm training, actually I'm using my intuition as my coach. I'm letting my body guide me. I'm training entirely intuitive. I haven't worn a watch since November. It's a big experiment. <laughs> wow. I'm having lots of fun. I, you know, I record I started recording my mileage like I because I figured, you know, I want to know after how this all plays out, what my body decided was was a good amount. And um, so I've been running my watch and loading it up, but I haven't looked at training my training peaks. So I'm combining my knowledge, the science with this sort of art and using my body's feedback to say, okay, do a little more, do a little less rather than following the rows and columns in a traditional program. Um, I have a hypnotherapist. I have a team of, uh, you know, amazing healers, really. Cairo, Mm -hmm. uh, acupuncture, um, craniosacral, Mm. Reiki. And I just sort of know, Mm. okay, this thing needs this person. You know, your body pretty well after doing this for so long and developing that communication system. I'm a really firm believer in addressing and listening to the body's early signs too, right? So a little niggle here or there rather than just ignoring it, being like, oh, thank you, body, for talking to me. Okay, what do you need? And oftentimes with the daily check-in, you can do soft tissue release. You can do self-massage. You can take a cross-training day and it never turns into anything. The optimal is is letting the body be the head coach and actually doing what it asks. <laughs> That's the key. Train train wiser, not harder, right? Yep. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. That's probably the number one lesson um, to to sort of awaken to, I think, like thinking about my athletes is the people that I work with coached groups and um, you know, I'm a race director, so I've worked with like wow. a lot, hundreds of people, thousands of people. 
Uh, well, I've just retired from race directing. I should say it's my first year not doing it. But <laughs> for us and our group, it's it's not about getting people to do more. It's often explaining that or getting the understanding that recovery is training and mm. that we actually adapt and grow stronger often by doing a little bit less at the right timing. Right. The body can achieve higher level performance. So it's not, not usually about getting athletes to do more. It's being like, it's okay for you to pull back this and this, your body will actually respond by getting stronger and you'll see that fitness. Um, so I think with our group, it is about being smarter mm-hmm. and uh, recovery is part of that. Oh, that's awesome. Where, where can our listeners find you? You can find me at elmhealth.com. My training programs are up there. And I'm on Wild Seeds on all my social channels. So all my adventures are there. And I've been doing a, a vlog series on my Instagram page about training for this 100 miler. So just sharing my different techniques and what I'm doing. So if anyone's interested in seeing how that's going, they can check that out there. Awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Would this be your first 100 miler, Western States? Your first 100 miler? Yes, it will. Tell me everything. <laughs> what do I need to know? <laughs> Stay ahead of the bears. <laughs> cougars. Oh, yeah, cougars. cougars. <laughs> well, I, I did the course one time at Western, and we actually ran into a bear. So, Oh, okay. But, you know, stay ahead of the cougars. <laughs> Actual cougars. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, I've seen both of those. I just saw a bear last weekend on my run, so that's a normal occurrence here on the island. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that's scary to me. <laughs> well, uh, before we wrap up, um, we're going to do a little rapid fire that we like to end our our sessions with, but we'll definitely put up all of the um, your website and where to find you online so people can track you. And of all the people that we've chatted with so far that are heading to Western States, like I said, it, they are going next year. So we're, if for whatever reason, and I don't hope for this, but if you don't go this year, uh, you know that there's going to be a huge family of Canadians that will be cheering you on. We're going to start a Facebook group and we're going to get to know each other before we get there so that you'll have people along the route that will be helping you out if you need it. <laughs> cool. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Either you- way, either way, it'll be um, this year or next year. I know it'll be exciting. Just uh, it won't just be me there. It'll be everyone that I know because we're all living through it together, right? At this celebration to be able to have this chance to race again. Well, it'll be exciting to watch you. We'll we'll track you if Absolutely. if that's the case for sure. <laughs> All right, are you ready? For rapid fire. I'm ready. Okay. Butter tarts with or without raisins? Oh, I think raisins. Okay. I am a vegan now. I haven't had a butter tart since November, but <laughs> Wow, good for you. Uh, do you have a tattoo? <laughs> Not a real one. I put fake ones on all the time. Nice. <laughs> Favorite type of vacation? Oh, a little bit of beach time, a little bit of adventure time, hiking mountains. Bit of nice. So now that we're in a pandemic, where's the first place? If you could get on an airplane tonight, where would you go? California. <laughs> go to Olympic Village. <laughs> get there early, eh? Get there early and train. <laughs> Name a food you could eat for a week straight. 
avocados. Mm. Oh, well, you'll, you'll be good in California, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> superpower, yes. Pick a superpower. That you like to have. It's definitely, it's the mind. We've already got it right here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And last one, 80s or 90s music? Gosh, do I have to pick? <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, oh, dear. I'm having flashbacks from both decades. <laughs> I can't choose. No. I like both of the, I like both. <laughs> do you run with music? Terrible way. Yes. Some, yeah. I usually save it for talk about a superpower for either the intervals or the final stretch. Yeah. It's a ah. drug. It's a positive. Sure. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, it is. When you're coming down in the final 10 K put the music on. Is that it? <laughs> Interesting. Oh yes. And it's the delayed gratification. So that's a technique I'll share with my athletes for sure is you guys with everyone um, is to make that playlist that you are like hungry to hear those songs, but you don't let yourself listen to them very often, just enough to, to know you love them and then taper it down as you taper for the race and then Ooh. save it for that. I usually do the last 30% of the event. I'll, I'll put music on and then it's like an infusion of energy right into your body. And off you That's go. a good one actually. Cause I, in a race, I'll usually play music on my phone just out loud. Like if you stood next to me, you could hear it, but otherwise you can't hear it. And that would be interesting to savor it because I, I do rely on it for sure. Well, then that brings me to one last question is what's your uh, post-race reward? What's the first thing you're looking for at the end of a race? As soon as you cross. Oh, as soon as I cross? Well, it all depends. Sometimes you feel amazing and other times you're just not really wanting to eat. But assuming I feel really good, I'm going to say a veggie burger and fries. Just, <laughs> yes. mm, so crazy. <laughs> with a beer? Maybe. With a kombucha. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. It's been a treat speaking so with much. you today. Yeah. Thank you so much. Wonderful. I'm looking forward to listening to the other episodes. Yeah, I've just checked out everybody's recently so i can't wait to hear everybody else's story and good luck with your move and we'll be following your new uh bus life adventure <laughs> on your youtube channel it's wild <laughs> it's wild seeds on youtube as well right wild it is yeah yeah youtube facebook pinterest instagram tiktok wild seeds <laughs> <laughs> all right awesome there. all right thanks so much good luck <laughs> <laughs> we'll be watching oh, great thank you guys Bye. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Bye. And there you have it. <laughs> Wild Seeds. Sarah Seeds from BC. And our first uh, guest who actually might be doing Western yes, this she's, year. Yes, she's planning on going this year, June. And uh, I hope she gets there. I hope yeah. she does well and doesn't have heart issues. Or heartburn. Heart, heartburn or whatever it is. Well, it sounds like she's conquered that. Yeah. Right? Through her hypnotherapy. And it's going to be her first 100 miler. That's right. Which is going to be awesome. I was intrigued by what she was saying in terms of uh, how to increase your mental mental strength and little tips that she uses with her clients to. That's true. Because a lot of people, they build their legs, they build their arms, they build their running, and uh, they don't 
build the mind. That's right. <laughs> it's just as important a muscle. Yes, absolutely. It is. Yeah. Cool. All right. Until next time, you can uh, check us out at gotterunracing.com and leave comments below. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Ooh, that was quite the marathon. Thanks for listening to the Gotta Run Racing Podcast with your hosts, Norman and Jody. Please visit us at gotterunracing.com for more information on our events or simply drop us an email at gotterunracing at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our YouTube channel to stream the video version of this episode. Oh, and if you like my voice, check me out at tylerherchuk.ca. T-Y-L-E-R-H-Y-R-C-H-U-K. Gotta run!